All right, what's going on in 2022? You know, the the first message of the new year obviously sets the tone for what God's going to do, what we're going to focus on. And we're going to start by asking what I believe is one of the most important questions that we could ask ourselves. This question determines the course of our life. This question determines what our life experience turns out to be like. This question is arguably the most important question that we could ask ourselves. And it's a question we're going to be asking ourselves often in the new year. And what is this question you ask? The question is, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? It's a question that we don't ask ourselves quite often enough. And the sad reality is most of us actually don't know how to answer that question because we have no idea who we are becoming. Most of us aren't intentional about the kind of person that we're being formed into. And we often find ourselves months later, years later, wondering why I've been going to church religiously, but I'm still as anxious as ever. I'm still harboring unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm still really short with the people I love the most, the people that are closest to me. I still feel like a walking zombie every Monday morning going into work and doing the same old thing. And we wonder why we look so little like Jesus, the one we claim to follow. And we wonder why all the lofty promises that the Bible, that scripture gives us just don't seem to be a reality in our lives. And I would bet It's because we don't ask this question enough. Who am I becoming? See, when we aren't intentional about who we are becoming, we often end up disappointed in the person we become. And 99, I don't want that to be our story, our legacy, where people come to our church for years and they make really good friends and they hear good teaching and they have a lot of fun, but they remain unchanged not transformed from the inside out, no indication that we've actually been formed more and more into the image of Jesus. And so that's why our focus this year is this word that is a title of an amazing Beyonce song, Formation. What would it look like to order our entire lives around this vision of becoming like Jesus? To say that at the end of the year, I look more like Jesus than I did at the start of the year. I have been formed more and more into his image. And this doesn't mean that we grow out Jesus hair or have Jesus beards or wear Jesus sandals like Austin, even in freezing winter weather. We're talking about an inward spiritual formation, an inward transformation. I have become like him. I have become more patient with my significant other. I have become more loving and generous to my neighbor. I carry peace and joy like I've never carried it before. I've learned to discern the voice of my father and the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is the goal of our walk with Jesus. But as we shared toward the end of last year, to do this, we have to take very seriously Our call to be disciples or what I believe is a better term for this apprentices of Jesus. And if we're to model our apprenticeship to Jesus after apprenticeship in his day, 
There are three goals that we're really after this year to be formed more into his likeness. Number one, it's to be with Jesus, to be with our rabbi. Number two, it's to become like Jesus, intentionally try to become like him. And the third is do what Jesus did. So that's our vision this year, y'all. Those are the three things we're pursuing. We're going to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did and see ourselves formed from the inside out. And we're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come. It's going to be really powerful. But what are we going to talk about today? Because I believe before getting into the be with Jesus sermon and the become like Jesus and do what Jesus sermon, there's something we have to talk about before that. There's something we actually have to ask ourselves before, who am I becoming? How many of you know that in order to answer that question effectively, who am I becoming? We first have to ask, who am I right now? The path toward formation always begins with an honest assessment of where I am right now. Now, I love the Bay Area. Growing up in the Bay Area, like we had a mall. Everyone has a mall that they grew up in. My mall, and it just holds a very fond place in my heart, is Saramonte. Like there's, there's so many nostalgic things when I think about my time in Saramonte. Um, I think about the Montgomery Ward and the J.C. Penney that used to be there. I think about there used to be a giant fountain in the middle that in my mind used to go about like 20 feet high. But I realized in my later age that it only goes about five feet high. But we remember things a lot greater than they actually were. It's nostalgic to think about seeing the Filipino grandpas just sitting in the couches as I shop throughout the mall. Like that was my mall growing up. But, but now that I've been to many other malls, I noticed that Saramonte is actually a really small, dingy little mall. And they've done a lot to like renovate it. Like they added Chick-fil-A, Dave and Buster's, Dick's. Like they added a lot of things to it, but it's still a really small mall. And if you've been there once or twice, you pretty much know your way around that mall. But I remember the first time I was in Minnesota randomly in 2014 for a wedding, I went to the Mall of America. And this mall, like, makes Saramani look like, I don't, it's like a tiny little ant compared to how big this mall is. They have a roller coaster, an amusement park inside this mall. And I remember the moment that I got to that mall, I was thinking, I thought I knew what a mall was until I saw the Mall of America. My mall's nothing. It's not even a mall. It should just be called, ugh. Like, this, this is not a mall. And I remember when I got to the Mall of America, it was so massive and so big. That the first thing that you have to do when you go to a new mall that size is what? You go to the directory and you look for that little star that says, you are here. See, one of the first things when you visit a new place, visit a new mall that you've never been to before, is you go to that directory and you look for the you are here mark. In fact, it doesn't matter if you know where you're going if you don't first find where you are. And I think that's the same in our journey towards formation, that we can know who we want to become like, we can know what fruit we want to bear, we can know the end goal, but if we don't look for the you are here mark first, we'll never get there. The path towards formation always begins with an honest assessment of where I am right now. 
And this is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, and I am using the MSG version because I'm Asian and we love MSG. But also, I just believe Eugene Peterson just put this in such beautiful, elegant words that really convey what the author was after. He says this, test yourselves. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I hope the test won't show that we have failed, but if it comes to that, we'd rather the test showed our failure than yours. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you. We couldn't possibly do otherwise. We don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them and then go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. We pray hard that it will all come together in your lives. Paul says, don't drift through life unintentionally. Assuming that you'll eventually float to where you need to be. He says, pause and give yourself regular checkups to see if you're on course. He says, with the guidance of Holy Spirit, if, you're, if your inner world was a mall, if you were the mall of Jacob and the mall of Shinuk and the mall of Futai, he's saying, do regular checkups. Ask Holy Spirit to show you the directory of your heart. And to show you where the you are here mark is. Where you are on your journey towards looking more and more like Jesus. And see if you are where you want to be right now. The psalmist also says something similar in the regular version. The NIV, ESV, 139, 23-24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Famous passage. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. But once again, the MSG version, because it just tastes better, y'all. Eugene Peterson, he says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Investigate my life, God. Show me a clear picture of what I'm actually about. We don't do this enough. And maybe we're never transformed because we rarely repent. And maybe we rarely repent because we never pray, God, search me. Investigate my life. Cross-examine me. I don't want to just assume I'm doing okay. I don't want to just assume I'm on the right path. I don't want to just assume that I'm growing. I need you to search me and tell me where I am on this journey and on this path. Holy Spirit, show me the directory of my heart and show me where the you are here mark is. I grew up a pretty good Christian kid. Like, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. Um, I didn't do drugs. I didn't party. I didn't drink. But I had this streak of rebellion when I was a freshman in my high school. And just for a little context, I went to high school in San Mateo, and I went to an all-boys Catholic school that was like 95% white. I was 
the only Korean in my class, maybe one of five Asians in the entire, it was wild. But I was a good Christian kid, but I just had this streak of rebellion during my freshman year, and it manifested in this one day. And I'll never forget what day it was, because it was the day that the 50 Cent album came out for the first time. And I don't know if you know, but that was a big deal back in the day. He did like 9 million in CD sales, which is unheard of today because of streaming and iTunes and all of that. But I remember in the middle of the day, I told myself, I never break the rules here at school. I've never played hooky. And one of the rules is you don't leave the school grounds during the day or you will get in trouble. But I thought... There is a Tower Records, a block from our school. It just takes five minutes to walk there. I'm going to go in the middle of lunch and into my fifth period. I'm going to go get my 50-cent album. It's that important to me. And so during lunch, I was wrestling with this inner tension. I was in the bathroom. It was like Eminem, eight miles. Like palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. I'm hyping myself up like, this isn't me, Mickey. This isn't me. What am I doing? I'm such a bad boy. And then I left the school. I'm walking to Tower Records. I get in there. I get my 50-cent album. I buy it. I put it in my backpack. I'm walking back. I feel like a badass, man. I'm getting back to school. I come into the doors and awaiting me, I don't know how they knew, was one of the teachers said, you got to go to the principal's office. And so I go to the principal. I'm like, oh man, man, crime doesn't pay. Like, shoot, like what's going on? I get into the principal's office and they say, you know what? Uh, We got to, we got to search your bags. Like we got to, we got to make sure that you weren't doing anything shady out there. And so, you know, white boys in rich neighborhoods are crazy, okay? They're wild. And so they're checking my backpack, and they find my 50-cent CD. And no lie, this is real. I love candy. And I just happened to have a bag of Altoids in my backpack that had been there so long at the bottom of my backpack that all the Altoids were, like, cracked and powderized. And this is – I'm not exaggerating – there was a moment where the principal's looking in my backpack, pulls out the CD, pulls out some textbooks. He sees something that catches his eye, and he very slowly pulls out this Ziploc bag of fine white powder. And he looks at me and says, Michael, what is this? And I'm trying to explain. I swear to God, it's candy. I love candy. Just smell it. We're not going to smell it. What do you want us to get high? And I remember they were just cross-examining me. And it was terrifying. When you get cross-examined, they're looking for the truth. You're not looking for anything else but the truth. You will get the truth at whatever cost. And this is a prayer that we don't pray often enough. Holy Spirit, put me in the hot seat cross-examine my heart. Maybe you'll find a bag of crushed Altoids or a 50s. I don't know what you'll find, but, but let the truth come out. Show me an accurate picture of what's really going on on the inside of me. Church, can we be real with ourselves for a moment? Where am I right now in my discipleship to Jesus? Is he really the most important thing in my life? Do Do I actually spend time with him? Like, do I actually spend any time in prayer? Or when was the last time I actually read the Bible? If I were to compare my life to that of my non-Christian friends or coworkers or students, would there really be any difference other than the fact 
that I go to church every Sunday and sing a few songs and listening to an inspire, inspiring message. Is my entire life ordered around Jesus, or do I just barely fit him into my schedule when I can't investigate my life, God, and show me the way everlasting? In my college fellowship at UC Davis, when someone asks you to hang out one-on-one, there are two possible scenarios. Christians make things weird, and there's two possible scenarios for what your hangout was going to be like or look like. And it all came down to which of two questions you were asked. And you knew if you were asked this one question, it would be like this. But if you got asked this other question, you knew it was going to be like that. And so if someone asked you, and you're hanging out one-on-one from the Christian fellowship, how are you doing? You knew it was going to be a casual, lighthearted, fun, and normal hangout. But if someone looked at you in the middle of your conversation, your one-on-one hangout, and they say, so how are you doing? spiritually you knew it was a red flag for an awkward non-organic unnecessarily serious christian small group conversation and i hate that question so much what does it even really mean how do you answer that how am i doing spiritually what the hell i don't know and while i hate the wording of that question i think the intent is actually quite valid what we're really asking is How is your journey of becoming more and more like Jesus actually going? What are the things that you have found in your hearts that are not like him? And I think these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves more often. We need to bring back intention. Church, hear me. What I've learned in my many years of walking with Jesus and pastoring is that people Drift away from faith, not because they lack desire, but because they lack intention. We want to be transformed. There's a desire. We want to be healed and set free. We want to live the life of peace, joy, and rest that Jesus promised us, but we don't realize that it actually takes intention. And if there's anything I would bet is missing from most of our spiritual lives, living as millennials and Gen Z in our time in a city like ours, is it's simply intention. That I will intentionally set aside time to spend with Jesus. I will intentionally love my neighbor. I will intentionally search my heart for things that do not align to God's heart. And not the kind of intention that that pressures us to try harder and do more. But simply the intention of saying every single day, Jesus, I will follow you. Whatever it looks like today, I will follow you. I think a lot of times we emphasize the cost of discipleship, right? We have to die to ourselves, carry our cross, surrender our entire lives to God. And at quick glance, it it seems like a lot. It feels like a lot. But I don't think we truly realize that the cost of non-discipleship is so much greater. The burden And the weariness and the heaviness of not following Jesus is costly. It's killing our souls. Yes, following Jesus is costly. Yes, it takes effort and intention and sacrifice and time. But but look at what Jesus says in Matthew. He says this, my yoke is what? Is easy 
and my burden is light. Amen with me if you resonate with this next thing. More times than not, the thought of carving out time to spend with Jesus is a lot more tiring than it actually is. In fact, if we would just get into the presence of God, if we would just crack open our scripture, if we would just spend a little time praying and listening for his voice, we find this isn't tiring at all. It's actually life-giving. It's actually restful. It's actually easy and light. It's often the thought of it that seems more tiring. Listen, the cost of non-discipleship, the cost of not following Jesus with all of our hearts is so much more than just saying, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Yes, Jesus, you can have all of this. Yes, Jesus, you can have my heart. Famous theologian G.K. Chesterton, he says this, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. That's, that's haunting. This, is, this isn't even one of those things you tweet. This is one of those things you read in the corner of your room crying, right? Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. What does that mean, church? I don't want our walk with Jesus left untried because it seems too daunting. The greatest tragedy would be if we never truly tried surrendering our entire lives to Jesus because it looks so difficult. When in reality, if we would, we get to tap into that rest and that life that he so promises us. It's not that we tried it and it left us unsatisfied. It's often that we never actually fully jumped in. In other words, following Jesus just doesn't work well as a hobby. You know, I, I learned about a fandom this last year because my sister-in-law became part of the BTS army. And you know, BTS fans, I can't even call them fans. They are disciples. <laughs> they are apprentices of BTS. If you, if you look at the BTS army and you see how much time they spend not just listening to BTS music or watching BTS music videos, but they be watching every single interview, analyzing new hairstyles, new wardrobes. Everything is, they're just fully invested and fully immersed. And I wonder how many of us are simply fans of Jesus and not followers. That we like a few posts that Jesus posts, a few things that he said, but, but we don't really invest all of our lives, all of our being into following him. 99, the invitation is the same invitation Jesus gave his disciples 2,000 years years ago. Follow me. You don't have to have it all together. You don't need to know how to pray or read the Bible or prophesy. You don't need to have it all figured out. Just follow me. And I love in that moment, scripture tells us what the disciples did when Jesus said, follow me. You know what they did? It says they laid down their nets and followed Jesus. Their nets 
represented who they were all of their lives up to that very moment. They were fishermen. The nets represented that they were failed students of the Torah. The nets represented that they were the rejects that none of the rabbis chose. The nets represented what they did for a living but didn't really have life in. And those nets were essentially their you are here mark. Their nets was more than just leaving their professions. It was a prophetic declaration. I'm leaving who I am right now and moving towards who I'm becoming. And I believe that's the invitation today to move us from fishermen to fishers of men or fishers of women. I believe that the invitation is the same today. Will you follow me? Lay down your nets, who you are right now, your deficiencies, your shortcomings, your weaknesses, your insecurities, your fears and your doubts. And will you move towards who you are called to become like me? And so today, in the start of the new year, before we get into all the amazing teaching about what it means to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what Jesus did and be transformed from the inside out, I believe God wants us to start by asking, where am I today? Where am I right now? And so today we're going to create space, just a little bit of time where we ask God to examine us, investigate us. Holy Spirit, search me and show me if there's any offensive way in me. And we do this not to get down on ourselves because it could easily be a hella sad start to the year. If we're really honest about where we're at, even myself included. But we do this to ask God to show us a better way. The psalmist ends. He says, search me, God. Show me any ways that I have offended you. Show me any ways that I have deviated from the path. But I love how it ends. But he says, God, show me the way everlasting. Show me the better way. Listen, there's no shame in where you are right now because we know where we're going. And we know the one who's getting us there is faithful to finish what he began. And so today, I want us to just reflect on a few questions. Number one, where am I, honestly, in my discipleship to Jesus? Yes, I believe in him, but do I actually follow him? Do I actually spend time with him? Like, if you were to lay out your schedule, if I'm going to lay out my schedule and just put it out there, does it look any different from people that aren't Christians or followers of Jesus? Am I actively and intentionally pursuing him in my life? So that's the first question. Where am I in my discipleship to Jesus? And number two, have I surrounded myself with people that are after the same thing? I think we all have our friends. I mean, pandemic has shown, like, you know who your people are, right? You had your circle. But do you have fellow believers that actually spur you on towards this vision of formation? And I'm not even talking about just friends from church. I'm not even talking about community groups. I'm talking about that person in your life, those people in your life that ask those questions. How are you doing spiritually? But that really asks, like, have you been walking with Jesus this week? What's it been like? What's he been showing you? What's he been teaching you? 
that, that, you know, you sit with some people and you just get fired up. Like, you know, my friend's really into cryptocurrency right now. And every time we get together, we're around the fire and he speaks about crypto. Like there's a fire in him and I get excited about like, Oh, should I invest? Should I invest? Like you're just caught up in their passion. And do you have those people in your life where you're just caught up in their passion where I don't have the fire this week? Let's just be honest. I, I feel like dry bones, but when I'm around you, like there's something that ignites in me. You know, coals, I learned coals are not good on their own. If you have a single coal, it's going to fizzle out really quick. But get a bunch of coals together. Even if they're not completely hot, they'll start warming each other up. And there's something, even when two believers are really dry, not on fire, when they get together, this is why Jesus says, even when there are two or three, I am in the midst of them. There's something that happens. Do you have those people in your life? And so where am I in my discipleship to Jesus? And do I, am I surrounded by people? Have I invited people into my life that are after the same thing? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you speak to us today? We say we need you. We desperately need you. We need you to show us the way everlasting. But also, God, we need you to search us and cross-examine our lives. We need you to show us an honest picture of who we are right now so that you can move us toward who you are calling us to become. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just reveal our hearts. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Just an honest reflection, an honest answer of what you see when you look inside of us. I just want to pray for some of us this morning. I sense that um, as we were singing earlier, the word I kept hearing is this year, let's trade um, pursuing to be better for being true. And so, God, I just pray for those of us that are covered in shame, covered in failure, covered in disappointment. We're so hard on ourselves, God. We start this new year. Some of us, we feel exhausted, and we feel like we're not good enough. But I thank you, Father, that the truth today that we can rest in is that your way is better, God. That we could trade trying to be better for being true this year in 2022, God. That we would be true uh, to you, God, true to ourselves. And, Father, that you will meet us where we're at. And we trust that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so we just surrender this year to you. We come to you, God, as we are, just as we are. Lord, we are true to who we are, knowing, God, that you and your way is better. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.